this morning in Luke chapter 12, reading from verse 35 through to 48, uh, picking up where we left off last week. Uh, Jesus continues speaking to his disciples and says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like people waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants, to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer before we uh, unpack these verses. Father, uh, be our teacher this morning by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we want to hear your voice this morning and your word to us. We thank you for your living word that speaks. Uh, May our hearts and minds be attentive to your voice this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus uh, continuing to teach his disciples this morning. And what is, he, what is he talking about? What is he telling them to be prepared for? Uh, generally, we read this passage and we think that what Jesus is talking about is uh, his return. He's talking about the second coming. He's telling us to be prepared for the day when at some point in the future he Returns. That's how we read it. That's how we interpret it. But is that really what Jesus is talking about to his disciples? I want to suggest this morning that Jesus is not talking about the second coming. Although there is an application for that, as we will see. He's not talking about the second coming because at this point in the journey to Jerusalem and at this point in his disciples' understanding... They haven't got a clue about any of that. The problem with us is 
as uh, Christians 2,000 years on from the events of Jesus' life, we know how the story pans out. We know what happens. We know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and that when he gets there, he's going to die. He's going to be crucified. And we know that after that, on the third day, Jesus is going to ascend, uh, Jesus is going to rise from the dead. And then about seven weeks after that, Jesus is going to ascend to his Father in heaven. And now we're waiting for his return. That's the framework of understanding that we have. And so when we read a passage like that, we slot this passage into our understanding because we know the whole story. We think, oh, Jesus is talking about his second coming. We have to um, try and forget all of that and put ourselves in the sandals of the disciples to whom he is speaking, who have no idea what is going to pan out in the next few days and weeks of their life with Jesus. Some of them have begun to get their head around the fact that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, but even the ones who've begun to get their head around that don't have any concept of a suffering Messiah who's going to wind up dead on a cross. Their concept of the Messiah is a kingly Messiah who's going to ride into Jerusalem at the head of an army and is going to rid, um, uh, rid them of their Roman oppression and Gentile oppression is going to establish Israel as an independent nation once again. They have no concept that Jesus is going to die, much less that he's going to rise from the dead, ascend into heaven and at some point in the future come back. They only begin to put all of that together Um, post-resurrection. So that's not what Jesus is talking about. They're on their way to Jerusalem and when they get there, he knows that he's going to die. But they don't. And the whole, all of this teaching that we've been going through over the last few weeks and, you know, will continue in the weeks to come, Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. Because they don't, they don't understand But they are waiting. You see, Jesus is talking about being prepared. And they're waiting. What is it that they're waiting for? They're not waiting for Jesus' second coming, as we are. They're waiting for the day of the Lord. The Jewish expectation that they have been waiting hundreds of years for is for the day of the Lord. The day when God is going to step decisively into history. The day when the kingdom of God is going to break decisively into history and where God is going to vindicate his people and uh, get rid of injustice and oppression and raise up his people gloriously once again with a king like David reigning over them. That's what they're waiting for. That's their expectation. That's the day that they're longing for. That's what Jesus is talking about, this expectation. Not the second coming that's in our hearts, but the first coming. And the thing is that Jesus' first coming doesn't look like what they were expecting, which is why they're about to miss it, or about why most of them are about to miss it. The whole um, kind of application of Jesus' teaching and the application for us is about being ready and attentive and not making assumptions about what God is about to do and how he's about to do it. Uh, He says, be dressed, ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like people waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately... Open the door for him. Uh, 
The time is getting short. They're on this final journey to Jerusalem. And when they get to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to die. And most of God's people at this time are missing it completely. They are longing and waiting for the Messiah to come. They are longing and waiting for God to step into history. And he has. He's in their midst. He's walking amongst them. The Son of Man, the Son of God, is walking in their very midst. This day that they've been waiting for of God's kingdom to break decisively into the world is happening right in front of their eyes. And they're missing it completely. They are oblivious to what God is doing. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying, wake up, pay attention, don't miss it. It is about to happen, don't miss it. Uh, Being dressed and ready for service, if you imagine in those days, um, people wore long flowing robes. And if you wanted to be dressed and ready for service, then you had to hitch your robe up, the hem of the robe, and tuck it into your belt so that you were ready for it. You had to do something about it. The same with keeping your lamps burning. This is not like us. We just flick a switch and forget about it. Uh, 2,000 years ago, if you had a lamp, it was a, a, a wick floating in a pool of oil. And if you neglected it, it would go out. The thing with the lamp is you have to give constant attention to it, otherwise the the wick will burn down or the oil will run out. The point that Jesus is saying is, is, look, pay attention. Pay attention to what is actually happening. There's this wonderful um, verse 37. He says, I tell you the truth. Um, It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. What an amazing picture that Jesus is painting, that when the, when the master comes, he will wait at table for the servants. It's a complete um, kind of uh, flipping upside down of the expectation. Well, what does Jesus do? What is Jesus about to do for his disciples in just a few um, days or weeks' time? Well, he has a meal with his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And what does he do? He washes their feet. He takes the role of the slave, of the servant, and washes his disciples' feet. What's Jesus saying to his disciples on these, on, as he's journeying with them to Jerusalem? He's saying, look, this is about to happen. Will you, will you wake up and see what God is doing? Will you wake up and see what God is? You must be ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You see, that they're not going to, you see, most of the leaders of Israel at this time are missing completely what God is about to do. They don't understand that this Jesus walking in their midst is the Messiah. They don't understand that he's the one that they've been waiting for. He doesn't meet their expectations and so they're going to miss him. They're not going to be ready. Uh, Peter says, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And then Jesus goes, who is this faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time be good for that servant whose master finds doing so when he returns Uh, but suppose the servant says to himself my master's taking a long time begins to beat the men servants and maid servants eat drink and get drunk that's exactly what the leaders of israel are doing 
where Jesus is speaking. The Sadducees, the ruling Jewish class in Jerusalem, are collaborating with the Romans to keep the peace for themselves, to line their own pockets. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law that Jesus has been so critical of, are trying to find ways to kill Jesus and get rid of him because he is disturbing them. Uh, A bit later on, at the end of Luke chapter 20, uh, Jesus says this, and it exactly matches the warning that he's giving in these verses. Uh, He says, uh, beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the place of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Jesus is telling his disciples, look, the, the spiritual leaders of the nation are missing completely what God is doing. They are complacent. They are abusing their position. They are not ready. They are not prepared. They are not dressed ready for service. They are not keeping their lamps burning. And they are going to miss what God is doing. Jesus says to his disciples, verse 44, the faithful servant, he says, I tell you the truth, the faithful servant, what will their reward be? He will put them in charge of all his possessions. What's Jesus just said? Um, We looked at this last week. Verse 32, Jesus says to his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. All of this, Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, look, be ready. Pay attention. Don't miss what God is doing. The spiritual leaders of Israel, the ones who were supposed to be preparing the way for the Messiah, the ones who were supposed to be giving a lead to their nation and preparing their people for what God was going to do, are asleep on the job. They are asleep on the job and they miss it completely. And, the, the, and, and, it's, and it's a devastating verdict. Um, uh, Jesus says, verse 47, the servant who knows his master's will, the spiritual leaders, well, they should have known from the prophets their master's will. They should have known what God was doing. They should have understood the signs of the times, but they don't. Who knows his master's will does not get ready, does not do what his master wants, will be beaten with many blows. The one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. From the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, is on the way with his disciples and is trying to prepare them for what's going to happen when they get there. Because most of the Jews are going to miss it. Because they're not paying attention. They're not attentive. And they're going to miss it. The Son of Man has come. He's walking in their midst. And on the cross, God will speak decisively into history. On the cross, God will speak decisively and win a victory over um, over evil and over sin and over oppression and over injustice. That's what the Jews are longing for. That's what they know will happen on the day of the Lord when God steps in. But because they're not paying attention, they miss it. So, what's the application? For us, 
for us? What do we need to learn from, uh, from this episode? Let me just read uh, a warning from the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, last book of the Bible. A book of um, drawing back the curtain, a, draw, a, a book of unveiling to show us the things that will one day be. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 14, this message to the church in Laodicea. What does Jesus say? He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You do not realise that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now that verse, verse 20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We usually use this verse these days in the context of mission and evangelism. And in the context of God knocking on the doors of the hearts of those who don't yet know him. And longing that they will open, their, open the door and allow him in. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful application. But Jesus is speaking to the church in these verses. He's not speaking to those who are not yet Christians. He's speaking to the church and he's saying to the church, wake up. You are asleep. You are complacent. You are um, uh, seeking your own pleasures. You've taken your eye off the ball and you make me sick. That's what Jesus says. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is a, a wake up call for the followers of Jesus when we fall asleep. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples in Luke uh, in Luke 12. He's saying, look, the leaders of the nation have fallen asleep. They're not paying attention. Don't be like that. Don't miss what God is doing because you are not paying attention and you can't see it. In the days in which we are living the days of a global pandemic. Are we, are we asleep on the job? Are we missing what God is saying and what God is doing in these days? Uh, I think perhaps much of the church is asleep on the job and we're missing what God is doing in these days. It's nearly a year since this global pandemic broke on the world. And as a church, as the people of God, are we understanding what God is doing in these days? Why God allows these things to happen? Um, uh, you know, it, uh, a year ago when this broke on the world, what should the, what should the church have been saying? God allows these things because they are a, a wake-up call. 
They are a call to repentance. At the same time as this global pandemic, there's been another plague in the world that we haven't heard a great deal about, but it's been the biggest plague of its kind in history. A plague, of, uh, a plague of locusts that began in East Africa and spread west and east. The biggest plague of locusts in history. Well, if you know your Bible, if you know your Old Testament, you know that plagues of locusts are always associated with God's judgment. They are a sign. They are a wake-up call. And the response is one of repentance. God allows these things because he's... Uh, shouting to the world, giving us an opportunity to turn back to him. Have the leaders of the churches given that message? A year ago, when this pandemic broke on the world, did we hear the leaders of the denominations saying, world, this is a moment, this is an opportunity to respond in repentance. This is an opportunity to turn back to God. We haven't done that. We haven't heard that call. We haven't heard that leadership. We didn't hear a call for a national day of prayer. At the beginning of a lockdown, we didn't hear a call that the church should get on its knees and cry out to God that he would have mercy upon us, have mercy on our nation. We seem just as a church to have gone along with the ways of the world. And now we're rejoicing because we have a vaccine. And we are rejoicing because we have a vaccine. It's a wonderful thing. Praise God for the scientists who have developed it. Praise God that we have now protection against this plague. But how foolish we are if we think, ah, I can breathe a big sigh of relief now. Everything is going to be okay. We have a vaccine. How short memories we have. Before the pandemic, everything wasn't okay. Before the pandemic, everything was in a mess. Before the pandemic, we were destroying our world. Before the pandemic, we were full of selfishness. None of that has changed. Thank God for a vaccine that protects us. But it's not the cure-all. God is calling us to repentance. And the church should be speaking loudly and clearly to our world and to our nation that actually, and this is where the passage is about the fact that Jesus is going to return, Jesus is going to return. And the days in which we live are days of preparation. And I think God is saying to us, wake up, be dressed, ready for service, keep your lamps burning. Most of the spiritual leaders 2,000 years ago missed the time of Jesus' first coming. They were asleep on the job and they missed it. But, and God gave the leadership of his people to the faithful servants, to the 12 apostles and to those who followed. Those were the ones who were faithful. Those were the ones who very quickly after the resurrection understood what God was doing. In our day, so many of our spiritual leaders are missing what God is doing because we're complacent and we're asleep on the job and we're not dressed ready for service and we've let our lamps go out. God is on the move. Jesus is returning and he's returning as a righteous judge. And these are days for repentance. These are days for a turning back to the Lord. 
And those of us who know, Jesus says, well, we have great responsibility. The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready, does not do what his master wants, will be beaten with many blows. He's just saying, you know, there's, there is huge responsibility when we understand the things of God. We understand God's revelation. There is huge responsibility. So my, my prayer, my longing is to be a faithful servant. That we would be faithful servants. That we would be attentive to what God is doing. And the, the response to all of this is, is to come in surrender. To come in surrender to God. To humble ourselves before him. Uh, to seek his face. Remember last week Jesus was challenging his disciples about where their heart was. Was their heart invested in the material things of this world? Was their heart invested in this life or was their heart invested in eternal things? That's what God is calling us to this morning. That's what God is challenging us to this morning. He's saying, where is your heart? Are we utterly surrendered to who he is so often that's my my prayer in the in the morning when I'm having my uh, devotional time in the morning so often that's my prayer is simply one of surrender it's just uh, Lord I know that I'm so I'm so full of pride I'm so full of my own um, selfishness I'm so full of my own ambition I'm so full of my own desires I just want to surrender Surrender who I am to you. I want to be a faithful servant. I want to be the person that you call me to be, doing what you want me to do in the place where you've put me. Surrender. That's what we're called. If you're if you stumbled across this across this message and you're you're not yet walking with the Lord Jesus, it's the same thing. It's just surrender. Surrender to Him. For us who do know the Lord Jesus in these days, it's the same message. Will we come in surrender and give ourselves wholeheartedly to who he is? Let's not miss what God is doing in these days. The days are urgent. Jesus is preparing to return. His kingdom is breaking in. Let's not miss it. Let's pray. Let's pray together for a few moments. Let's pray that God will have mercy on our nation. Let's pray that, let's pray for the leaders, our spiritual leaders, that they will not miss what God's doing in these days. Let's pray for boldness to declare the things of God. Holy Spirit, have mercy upon us this morning. Have mercy on your church. Have mercy on those who lead us. Have mercy on our nation.